When I was a kid, I was constantly picking rocks out of the ground, out of the roads. Um, I was an agate collector, and so I always was looking down, and it worked really well if the asphalt was new, just because you could dig it out easier. I don't know how the street department felt about that, but... And each of those agates had a story for me, and... Uh, when I was almost 40 and we were moving, my wife let me know that we didn't need that 50-pound box <laughs> on our trip and uh, suggested that I give it to a young man in the congregation. She won. <laughs> I am not a rock picker when it comes to reading. Um, I like landscape stuff. And... Uh, the book of 1 John is more about nuggets and chewing on stuff. It was written by Ryan Stancy's great-great-grandfather. I'm sure of it. <laughs> that's his gift. You know, that's his ability. And that's, that's not me, but each has its place, you know. And, and uh, so when I, when I get into this book, there's five chapters, and I could say it in three verses or... You know, it, even, you know, it's part of the reason I detest uh, classic British authors. They're so wordy. And, you know, it's just going, man, this needs editing. You know, <laughs> and I, I admire they can write 1,000 pages, but my goodness, you know, let's save some paper. No, I, you know, I just, I, 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 now I have tried writing now and then, and it, it doesn't work for me. You know, it, there are days when you think, maybe I could write a book. And uh, I'll get about three sentences. And, you know, I used to read Westerns as, uh, too. And, I, and, you know, I could just say, well, you know, a guy rode on the scene. He shot the bad guy, shook hands with the girl, and rode off into the sunset. <laughs> you know, and the reason he rides off, it leaves room for a sequel, right? <laughs> you can write the next book. Guy rode into town, <laughs> shot the bad guy, rode off, you know. <laughs> but that said, when you go into the, this book of 1 John, he's going to chew on things over and over, but he's going to bring out different facets that are beautiful if you'll take the time. Now, if you're on this read it through quick, um, it doesn't work that well. And for years, I've kind of detested this little book um, because it is repetitive. But the beauty of it is, is that it, it keeps honing in on it, honing in on it, so hopefully we get the point. Um, so we're going to do that. I actually debated uh, reading the book straight through to you this morning. Um, Char won on that one too. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> They'll thank you for it. <laughs> That's probably true. Let's look at this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard and seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands and have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. So he's, he's using some phrases like word of life and that which was from the beginning, kind of this eternal perspective but he's saying, we've had physical contact with this, with this person. We've had 
physical experience with God. We've seen, we've heard, we've touched. And so, you know, when, when we're talking life experiences, it's really valuable if somebody's actually been there, done that. You know, you don't want to hear, well, I read somewhere. You go, well, I've read somewhere too, you know. But it's, it's really nice to get that firsthand account, and that's what we're getting out of this. He says, the life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So he's just basically making a declaration saying, this is what we testify about. This is our witness. This is our story. And he's saying this, you know, using these terms again, uh, that uh, life appeared, you know, he's, he's saying God came to earth. We experienced him here. And he says, now, you know, this is what we're declaring, and, and I'm writing this out so that you can participate in fellowship with us in this. Have the joy of this relationship as we do. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, we looked at that thing of light and some of the beauty of it last week. But again, he's using these phrases and terms to describe an actual relationship. And he just says, you can't have it both ways. You don't get light and darkness. You, you either walk in light or you walk in darkness. But he says, there is a defining line here. And in God, it's light. So you make your choice. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. That kind of goes in the face of that argument, oh, they're basically a good person, or everyone's kind of good by nature. You, know, you hear that regularly, right? You know what I mean, we're all good, we just you know, do some things we don't really shouldn't, or we don't want you know what I mean, it's, it's not really us, it's just connected to us. You can't just shake it off, but it's, you know, we're good. And he's going, no, all of us sin. All of us have sinned. But we have this opportunity for purification through Christ. And so this, again, is, is contrary to what uh, is even purported within our culture, Right? And what we often, even in church circles, kind of carry this idea that, you know, well, you know, we're all basically good, and it's nice that Jesus came. Well, no, it's essential that Jesus came because all of us are sinful and have been sinful.
My dear children, I write to you this so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only ours, but also the sins of the whole world. So he, he's saying, this isn't a license, you know, this, the fact that Jesus purifies us from our sin. This isn't a license to just keep on sinning. This isn't, you know, the open door that says, well, you know, I got this out-of-jail free card. You know, Jesus bails me out. Every, he said, that's, that's not what I'm getting about. But he says, if, if you do fall into sin, there is an advocate who's going to, to speak for you and, and seek to help you. But it, it, this isn't the license to just go do. We know that we have come to him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him but does not do the will or do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. If anyone obeys his word... Love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So he, he's, he's laying it out and just saying, again, there's, there's these opportunities, there's this choice between light and dark, as he said. There's living for God or there isn't. But it's, it's very, he's very specific. He just says, you don't have it both ways. You make this choice. You live as Jesus did or you don't. But this is our message. This is what we're proclaiming. This is the message that Jesus brought. This is what we heard from him is what he's saying. Friends, I'm not writing a new command but an old one, which you've had from the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command See, this is one of the things that bugs me about this guy, <laughs> right? Not writing a new command, yet I am writing a new command. Uh, you know, writing an old command, yet it's a new command. Okay, there's a nugget here. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and true light is already shining. Remember John 15, Jesus saying, this is my command that you love one another. New command I give unto you, that you love one another. That, what, 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 what was that all about? Well, in the Old Testament, we were told to love our neighbor as ourselves. But it was brought into the fullness of light through Jesus when he's saying, this is a mark of who we are. I'm laying down my life for you. I want you to lay down your life for others. And so he's, he's saying it's, it's an old command, yeah, but it was brought into new light. It's a new command as well. It's, it's, not, it's not anything new in regard to our Christianity, but this is this, the basis of what we're about. I started chewing on that this week, and I, I'll probably address it more in, in weeks ahead, but, you know, if, if this command of loving neighbor is, is so essential to us, and, you know, you see in Paul's writings... Um, I think Colossians, Ephesians, Thessalonians, he'll make these declarations in the first few verses. He'll say, I've heard of your love for one another. You know, and he makes this, you know, it's an admirable thing. Your love for one another, that's so important. Or in Galatians, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You know, he, 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 he 
delves into that, the Apostle Paul, and then this John is writing in, in similar things. You know, he's just going, this command is who we are. And so for all of us, we have to regularly ask ourselves, how well am I loving others? Is this really a mark of my life, or am I caught up doing other things? I mean, I'm one of those other people that I, I, I like plenty of solitude time. I, I enjoy being by myself a good share of the day. And if I, if I have too much contact, <laughs> i got to go find the woods, you know? That does not excuse me from loving others and evaluating, saying, okay, am I investing enough? And, and of course, the, the easiest sphere to start looking at that is within my own house, right? You know, the easiest way to start evaluating that is, how well am I loving my wife? And, of course, I hate to ask that question because I get answers, you know? <laughs> How well am I loving my children? Well, they're out of the house now, so that's a little easier. No. <laughs> but how well am I loving you guys? You know, it, and what, what does that entail? And yet, that needs to be a regular part of the conversation that we have with the Lord if it truly is this important. And so we, we look at this new command, old command, and acknowledge that this is one of the pillars of who we are as a people. And if we aren't defined by our love, then something's very wrong. And, and so we, we, we have to keep coming back to this and saying, what is the expression of my life showing? And am I, am I walking in the health that God desires of me? Am I willing to lay down my life like Christ did for me? That's where I have to be with this. That's what I'm being called to. Back to 1 John. Anyone who claims to be in the light, so he's tying this light and love theme together now. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister and lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. They do not where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So he just he lays it out again and says, you cannot live with this hatred in your heart. Now, we're too polite to call it hatred. We just don't like some people. We don't like being around them. We don't like talking to them. We don't like association. And so avoidance is a lot easier. He doesn't give us that much room in this. We need to deal with our issues if we're truly going to walk as he's wanted us to walk. Now, the next few verses are, are repetitive. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, but it, again, he's, and this might even have been a, an old song or something. I don't know. But he's going to talk of children, fathers, and young men. So children, 
seniors and adults, okay? Dear children, writing to you because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Writing to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. Then this repetitive phrase, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one. Beauty in each of those phrases. Again, just laying out and says, I'm writing to you who have participated in this. I'm declaring to this to you who have already stepped into this. He goes on to say, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So he says this challenge between the world and living for Christ is between the temporal and the eternal. And the craving that we have in the temporal fights against what we long to live in the eternal. The lust of the flesh, the sensual, you know, whatever pleases me, makes me feel good. He says, you know, that craving that we have for ourselves, that, he says, that fights against this eternal perspective. The lust of the eyes, the, the coveting of whatever is around us, the jealousies that we walk in wishing that we had something else. He says, again, it's, it's built on the, it's what we see. It's the temporal. And the pride of life that wants that honor from others and acclaim, you know, how great to be famous in this day when you're exchanging it for an eternal well done. You know, how much, how much different, you know, to, to say, I will do anything to have the admiration of others and their embracing and acceptance when really we're trading it for the, the favor of the eternal God who wants to embrace us for eternity. You know, that's the fight that we go on. That's the challenge of our lives, the wrestling that we walk through. Dear children, this is the last hour, and you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. He's going to be addressing the fact that there are teachers trying to take you away from Jesus, trying to take you away from this basic source of salvation, the essence of what our identity is tied into. And so he's, he takes this on. He says... This is how we know it. It is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Some translations even say the Spirit, but it, you know, the word is anointing. But it's this idea that the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. It says, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, because no lie comes from the truth. 
He's making this declaration that the Spirit of God reveals truth in our hearts and gives us opportunity to understand and divide and discern what is reality and what isn't and what is truth. What a privilege this is. This is not an opportunity for excuse-making, right? This is not an opportunity to say, I didn't know any better. You know, generally... We just, we wander off because we want to. But he says, you have opportunity and anointing from God to, to understand. So you don't have to listen to every wind and wave of doctrine that comes along. You don't have to get caught up in foolishness. You can ask of God and discern what is appropriate. This is a powerful, powerful thing for us, and it's necessary for our lives. This excuse, I didn't know any better, really doesn't hold water, according to the scripture. Or they fooled me. Why? Probably because he wanted to be fooled. Didn't want to deal with the issues. Didn't want to embrace the truth that was there. The challenge for us is to say, I love truth. I love what he gives me through the eternal. I love the understanding that he brings to me. And to conquer these things of the temporal and say it's not important enough to give way the eternal. Who is the liar? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. The one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. In recent times, at least in American Christianity, there have been a number of churches that have taken the position that Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't necessarily unique above all others. And the sad part of it is, Often in our heritage, the people, the very groups that have trained us, because our group isn't all that old, you know, a little over 100 years, right? But the groups that we have gotten our training from through the commentaries and the, the teachers of old came out of the very churches that are proclaiming, all, all religions are basically the same. If you were to put this in light of this particular book, John would be making a declaration and saying, this is a spirit of the Antichrist. They've wandered off, but they refuse to embrace that Jesus is the Christ. In so doing, they lose out on what the Father has as well. So these are very sobering times in that light. And, and we don't walk with this, well, we know something you don't. No, that's not it at all. We long for a day of... of Mass embracing, again, that Jesus is Lord. And that his salvation truly is unique and important for all of us. And that the forgiveness of our sins comes through him, through no other. And so even, you know, as we're reading this and he's kind of chewing on this point and there's repetition, it's really important to say... He is, he is not leaving us any room to step away from this. 
this is the core of what we believe. And, you know, the history of John the Apostle is that he lived, outlived everyone else, and these books are written near the end of his life, and it's, you know, you're going, that's all you got to say, love one another? Well, when you got the right message, that's what you keep declaring. When you say Jesus is Lord, and you say it over and over in a hundred different ways, well, it's the essential item. When he says you've got to abandon a life of sin and live in holiness in regard to him because that's what he is holy, well, those are our core messages. We don't get to change that over time. We don't come into a new enlightenment. We don't you know, say, well, that was, that was early Christianity in its infancy, and now we've grown into something greater. No. It's the core message. It has always been the core message and remains the core message. And so he is just putting it out there one more time. As for you, see that you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you, those who are trying to lead you astray, uh, about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but his anointing teaches you all things. And as that anointing is not real, is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. I'm laughing because I, it's repetitive and I try to race through it and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> He says that you have the ability to discern and you don't have to go chasing everything around. Now, he's bringing instruction to them, so he's not saying, don't ignore me, but he's, he is saying, you don't have to listen to everything. He says, the Spirit is giving you awareness. He brings truth to us. Now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears... We may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship a little more. And enjoy what God has said. Stand with me, will you? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your great salvation. We say, wash away our sin. Bring us into this new light of life. We ask for the ability to walk in truth through your Holy Spirit. We call out... Even today, for those who are wrestling with issues of 
What should I be doing? What is truth in this situation? Well, who should I be listening to? What should I be responding to? I pray that you would give discernment in this moment as to what your desires are. And when it comes to embracing this message of loving one another, we pray that that'll always be within our thinking. And the great appreciation we have for you giving your life for us will be lived out through our lives as well. We willingly sacrifice our lives that others may flourish. Be lifted up and exalted, we pray. Amen.